Welcome to the Faith Cup Podcast. We are glad you are here today. May God bless you in order for you to be a blessing to those around you. Thank you, Greg, and the worship team. Um, as I uh, was introduced, thank you for the introduction earlier. My name is Eric Cave, and I work for the Pacific Northwest Conference. My official title is as the director of Next Gen Ministries, and so in this role, I get to support children, youth, and young adult ministries and leaders throughout our conference. And I'm also the director of communications, so I'm in charge of all of our uh, social media, newsletter, and such. And I should have a slide that will give you some information on how to connect with those if you'd like to. There you go. So um, we have what we call the catch, which is our newsletter, and we put out the catch of the week every Friday. It's really an attempt to tell the story of our conference, so it's a little bite-sized newsletter that um, usually includes an interview with somebody who is living out God's mission in our region. It's awesome. We also have an, uh, a website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all those places that you can check out. All you have to do is search for PACNWC on any of those services, and you can connect with us. So I give your permission. It's okay right now to get your phone out and uh, look up those and subscribe right now. It won't bother me at all if I see you on your phone. I'll trust you're doing that and not playing a game like Bejeweled or something like that. I do want to say hello to those at home. Uh, my wife is at home watching online right now, so hello, Melanie. Good to see you. I have a slide that shows my family if you'd like to see who they are. This is them. We were, this is us just this last summer out at Haystack Rock in Cannon Beach. So you can see me. I'm right there. My wife, Melanie, is on the right. She is a speech pathologist. She works at David Douglas School Districts down in uh, the Portland, Oregon. That's where we're from, Portland. She starts work tomorrow, and so that's why she's not here today. So um, she's a great example of someone who's following God's call into vocational ministry, not in the church. Uh, I really see here really following God in um, her call to work with students that have speech and language disabilities. So um, up on the left is my son. His name is Duncan. He recently got married to Shelby, the short one in the front. Um, and they live in Corvallis. Shelby just recently finished her degree at Oregon State University. And my son works uh, at an engineering firm doing design a firm with them. And then that's my daughter, Ella, right in the middle. And she's getting ready to start her sophomore year at Oregon State University, where she uh, is going to be an RA this year. So we're really proud of her and uh, with what God is doing in her. So today my um, talk, I was about this idea of helping us all to discover perfect love. And in order to do so, I'm going to talk about love and motorcycles. Love and motorcycles. I love my motorcycle. Uh, but when I say that, I'm very aware of the fact that that means something different than when I say I love my family, right? And that means something different when I say I love my wife. And along with that, I know that like the way I love my motorcycle today is different than I love my motorcycle many years ago. Um, the picture is going to come up right here. This is a picture of me on my dad's motorcycle when I was in high school. And uh, I, I love that helmet. I wish I still had that helmet, but it's long gone. And um, I loved riding my dad's motorcycle where I grew up in Medford, which is southern Oregon. We lived outside of the city limits, and across the street was this big pasture. And there was an irrigation ditch that ran along it, and I would love to ride that motorcycle along the trail that would go along this irrigation ditch, and I could go for miles and miles. And one day I asked my dad, hey, can I take the bike out? And he's like, yeah, but don't crash, whatever you do. I'm like, okay. And I was cruising along this trail along the side of the irrigation ditch. And I got a little distracted. And I remember looking down at my front wheel, 
just as I hit a big old rock. And I'm not sure because of the jar of the rock, if I, I think I may have gunned the, the accelerator or something, but I, I popped a little wheelie and went right off the edge into the irrigation ditch. <laughs> now, fortunately, it was dry. There was no water in there, but I, I picked it up. I picked up myself, picked up the motorcycle, and I looked around, and the, the walls of the irrigation ditch were like chest high. This is how high they were. And I remember my dad saying, don't crash. And I was like, how am I going to get myself out of this mess? And so I rode up and down the ditch, and I found the lowest point I possibly could. And I just used all of my strength, everything I could, to just muscle that motorcycle out of that ditch. And I laid there on the ground for about 20 minutes, catching my breath, and I went home. But my dad never found out that <laughs> I crashed that day. So don't tell him if you ever meet him, okay? So um, now I've, I've been on a journey, so to speak, with my love for motorcycles and my skill and understanding and be able to ride them well. Like, I mean, I was younger, I would read motorcycle magazines, I watched motorcycle videos, um, eventually uh, I would ride like my friends' motorcycles and such, and I eventually um, got my own, and today I still ride quite a lot. Um, and one of the key things I learned as I started to take some classes to prepare to get my endorsement for riding my motorcycle on the road was that um, you always want to be looking where you're going. You never want to look down at your wheels. And it's really tempting. It's a temptation to look down at your wheels, to look at where you are on a motorcycle. But there's this principle that says that you, your motorcycle will go where you are looking. Now, we're all on a journey as well in our spiritual lives. And it's tempting to get fixated on where we are. Compare ourselves to others to figure out how far we've gone along on the journey. But I want to encourage you this morning to shift our gaze from where we are and comparing ourselves with others. And instead, to look to Jesus. Look to our destination, and that will lead us to where we are going. My point for this morning is very simple, that turning towards Jesus will lead to perfect love. How far along we are on the journey is less important than that we're fixated on the goal of our journey. And I'm going to look at 1 John today, and um, I'm going to be reading out of the journey. So I've got a journey Bible. I'm not the journey, the message Bible. So if you don't have one of these message Bibles with you, it's quite all right, because I'll have the verses up on the screen. So I'm going to share three keys to turning towards Jesus in order to experience perfect love. And the first key is that love of the world turns us away. And as I go along, I'm going to share some pictures of me on motorcycles, if you don't mind. This is me on my first motorcycle ride. Not really. That's my dad's arm there holding up the motorcycle. So, uh, <laughs> But that's, probably, that's the oldest picture I have of me on a motorcycle. On my, probably another one of my dad's old motorcycles. Love of the world turns us away. We're going to start in 1 John chapter 2 and read verse 15 um, and unpack this first kind of idea that love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. So 1 John 2.15 in the message says this, Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. 
So I have a simple picture up there. You can kind of get an illustration of this idea of squeezing, that there's only a, so much capacity within the, uh, like that water bottle, and when we squeeze it, something's got to give. And I like to imagine a, an illustration of like of a chair. If we have a single chair on the stage and we sat on it, we might be able to fit two, or if they're small people, three people on that chair, right? But as soon as we introduce somebody else, someone else comes along and says, I want to sit on the chair. The only way that's going to happen is if someone gets up and leaves. And that's how our hearts work when it comes with, our, with the love of the Father. We have a limited capacity. We turn our attention towards the world, towards love of the world, something has to give. And what this scripture teaches us is, is that love of the Father, love for the Father, is what leaves when we turn our attention towards love of the world. So what is love of the world? This verse tells us, it says, it's loving the world's ways and loving the world's goods. Earlier I talked about the fact that love can mean a lot of different things, right? And so love of the world is when we um, adore the world, we devote ourselves to the world, when we seek after more and more stuff instead of being content with what we have. And we think these things will make our lives better. But in the end, they only make things worse. And that's because love of the world ultimately leads to isolation. Love of the world leads to isolation. Let's continue here in 1 John chapter 2. Verse 16 says this, Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. Look at this list. It's another list of what loving the world is all about. Wanting our own way, wanting everything for ourselves and appearing important. They're all examples of loving the world. And all of those things just push us away from the Father. They separate us from his love. And it causes isolation. And isolation is one of the biggest problems that our world is experiencing right now, especially among young people. It's one of the reasons I'm so glad that Dean is here, and he's going to be able to lead your church, hopefully in helping students and young people and children to find belonging among us. But research clearly shows that although we feel more connected than ever through our apps and through social media, that people feel more lonely than ever today. Love of the world isolates us from each other, and worst of all, from God. And I believe this is the, the key, the element of most of the pain and destruction and heartache we're experiencing in the world today. Because love of the world, it turns us away, it turns our attention away from the Father towards something else. And it turns us away. So our first key is that uh, love of the world turns us away. Let's go on to the second key, which is the flip side of that, that love of the Father turns us toward. And I have another picture here. This is me on my very first motorcycle that I owned. That was like my very first bike. I miss that guy. It was so much fun. Now I'm going to tell you a story about riding that motorcycle in a minute. But first, let's look at, uh, skip to chapter 3 in 1 John and look at verse 1. It says this, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. 
we are called children of God. That is who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. And this verse tells us that marvelous love makes us children of God. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to read out of the message this morning, because I love this word marvelous. Right? It's just fun to say. Say it with me. Marvelous. Isn't that just it's a fun word? I think we should use it more in our day-to-day language. We don't use it very much, but I love the word marvelous, right? Um, God's love for us is a marvel, right? In the NIV, um, it goes on to say that God lavishes this marvelous love on us. And I love that word as well, lavishes. Say that with me, lavishes, right? You guys are all getting like, my, my wife is uh, really proud because we're practicing our speech and language, you know, together. But <laughs> Um, when I think of the word lavish, I think of like when I have a piece of toast, right? I'm going to put butter on it, and I just keep going, right? You know, you only need a certain amount of butter, on, but if you just keep going, right? The more butter you put on there, the better it is, right? I just think of, when I think of this, lavish love that God is pouring out. It's so much. It's way more than it's necessary, but it's way better because it's so much, right? And this verse tells us that this love is... Um, the fact that he makes us his children. And we know he accomplished this through his death on the cross. That's his ultimate expression of love. And in doing so, he makes us his children. And it's not just like, you know, an old person says, child to everybody, but he actually is adopting us into his family. God loves us so much that he's giving us his name, along with all of the rights and the privileges that come along with that. It is, um, it is like a whole new life, the way he invites us in. It's a start over. All of our debts are canceled. It is literally being born again. And what I learn from this is that I am more than my good and my bad. I'm more than the things that I do right or the things that I do wrong. Um, we like to, like I said earlier, look at where we're at. And we come up with a measuring stick of where we are along on our journey with Jesus. And then we compare ourselves on that journey with others to try to make ourselves feel better. But what this verse tells us is that's not what's important. What's important is who we are. And who we are is tied to where we are going, and that is towards Jesus. And this is really difficult because the world today is obsessed with measuring. Everywhere we go, we are being measured and encouraged to measure others. But this, but this verse tells us that that is not what this is about. What's more important is our orientation towards Jesus. And this is idea is what defines us, and because of that, this just simply doesn't make sense to the world. It leads us to this idea that belonging leads to becoming. Look at verse 2 of 1 John chapter 3. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning Who knows how we'll end up? 
What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we will see him, and in seeing him, become like him. There's this truth, a reality, that belonging to God's family is what will shape us into being his child. We are his child, and as we live into it more and more, we become more and more his child. Um, this, the picture that I, I mentioned before was from um, uh, no, my first motorcycle. It was a 1972 Honda 175. Okay, so it's a little confusing, but it's a little motorcycle that a friend of mine gave to me, and they had used it as like a dirt bike at their cabin. But it had a license plate, and it was ready to be licensed, but I needed to get churn signals for it before I could get the license renewed. And so I thought to myself, I'm going to ride, to a, uh, I'm gonna ride it to a motorcycle shop and get the churn signals. And the closest one to me was a Harley-Davidson shop near my house, right? And so I hopped on my motorcycle, put that, I had that very gold helmet on, and I rode down to the Harley shop. And as I pulled into the driveway, I was immediately intimidated because all I could see was all these very large Harley-Davidson motorcycles with very large riders sitting on them, right? And I, so I, I found the parking spot the furthest from the door where no one else was, and I parked there. And I got off, and I went inside. And I quickly discovered that Harley-Davidson shops don't sell turn signals for Honda motorcycles. Um, and so I was like, okay, no problem, a little bit, and then I left. And as I walked out the door, I was immediately horrified because what I discovered was two Harley-Davidson motorcycles had decided, for whatever reason, to park right next to my motorcycle. And the riders were still on them. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to go well. And I looked out there, and I could see that they were like these burly men, right? They, they didn't have sleeves on their jackets and the, to show off their tattoos, you know, that were everywhere, right? They were smoking these big old nasty cigars. And uh, one of them had one of those helmets, like with a point on the top, you know? And uh, I was like, ooh, this is, this is going to be bad. Like, best case scenario, they'll tease me about my little Honda motorcycle, right? Worse is I might get beat up here. I don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, but I needed to go, so I, I went on out to the, my motorcycle, and my plan was just to throw my leg over and start it and get out of there as fast as I could. I wasn't going to make eye contact. I was just going to try to just escape with as much dignity as I could, right? And I did that. I, I put my leg over the, the motorcycle, and then, and then the, more, the rider that was closest to me literally reached out and slapped me on the back. And he said, is that a Honda 175? And I was like, oh, here it goes. I said, yes, it is. And he threw his head back, and he let out this huge laugh. Ha, 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 ha. And he said, that was my first motorcycle. <laughs> and then he continued to tell me stories about how he rode his motorcycles. And I discovered that those were actually really nice guys. <laughs> and uh, they actually even gave me some tips on where to get the parts I needed in order to get my motorcycle fixed up. And I left that experience feeling like I was part of a community. And I've discovered since then that motorcycle riders, for the most part, um, don't care what kind of motorcycle you ride, but we all kind of feel like we're part of this community. And when you ride a motorcycle down the street, anytime you pass another motorcycle, they always do this down low 
wave, you know, that kind of cool. Sometimes you get a salute, but um, because there's a sense of community that we all have as motorcycle riders. And I left that morning feeling that sense of community and wanting to be part of it more, wanting to become more and more of a motorcycle rider because of that. And that's how this verse tells us we become like Jesus. As we, as we enter into the ultimate community of being part of God's family, being his children, we look more and more to Jesus. And by looking towards him, we become like him. It's ultimately his job to, to change us and to help him. It's our job to look at him. And it's his job to transform us. And I know it can be difficult to do because if we're feeling low or down or particularly like sinful in our lives, we often feel like um, one of those dogs in the YouTube videos you may have seen, like where an owner comes home and there's a big mess and they have two dogs and the one that didn't make the mess is like, hey, welcome home. I'm glad to see you, right? But the dog that did make the mess is in the corner, you know, like this, and they won't make eye contact with the owner because they know they're about to get in trouble, right? That's how we feel a lot of the times. But I want you to know that that is a misunderstanding of the situation. Because as God's beloved child, he's not looking to us. He's not trying to get our attention so that he can chastise us or yell at us, but in order to tell us that he loves us, in order to come along beside us and help clean up the mess that we've made. So the first key is that Love of, the fo- love of the world turns us away. The second key is that love of the Father turns us towards. Let's look at the third and final key for this morning, and that is that love of others turns us upside down. Uh, so turn in your, um, in your Bible to John, First uh, John chapter 3, and you'll see here, this is me, a, a picture of me on my motorcycle that I currently own and at an event that I'll tell you the story about in just a little bit. But love of others turns us upside down. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, we see that, uh, we'll start to unpack this idea with the idea that loving one another completes perfect love. So 1 John 4, 11 says this, Dear friends, uh, my dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever, but if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us, and his love becomes complete in us, perfect love. So this verse says that God's love is made complete in us when we love one another, when we love others. Some translations say perfect, some say complete, that's why I like this one, because it says both, right? That, our, that love is made complete and perfect. And I, look, I like to imagine it like a circle. So everybody do this with me. Hold your hands up and make a circle. Like if you've been to a wedding service, you may have heard the pastor talk about how the wedding ring, right, is a perfect circle and, and such. And uh, I imagine this is like perfect love. And it's made up, though, of two parts. We have love of God and love for others. And if we only have one or the other, we're left with a C, right? Or an N or a U, depending on how you're holding your hands. But regardless, it's not a perfect circle. But when we have both, they complete what we perfect love. 
They go hand in hand. In fact, you can't have one without the other fully. They complement and encourage one another. And that's what this verse is telling us. To experience perfect love, we need to love one another. Most of the time when I uh, ride my motorcycle, I ride by myself. But I have discovered that it is much more fun to ride with others. Now, this picture is this event that I participated in. The previous picture was from me at the event. And this is the actual event. I'm, I'm in that crowd somewhere. I've tried to find myself, but I can't. But there's hundreds of people there for this event called the Alley Sweeper. And what it is is in Portland, this motorcycle shop puts out the word, and this certain day of the year, hundreds of motorcycle riders come together, and then we take the day and we just ride through the alleyways in Portland, in like downtown Portland. And there are, there's miles and miles of them. And as you can imagine, that gathers a lot of attention, right? And so this at this event that I was at, uh, a news station showed up and they decided to do an interview and I got on the news that day um, so I remember like going through an alley and I was with my nephew he came with me and I was with all the other people hundreds of the bikes and I came out of this alley and, and I could see the news reporter there and the camera on the other side as I turned and left and so that night I went home and I watched the news report and sure enough you could see as there as she was doing the report you could see me for about one second my black helmet Kind of come behind her, and my red motorcycle will go that direction. So that's my claim to fame. I'll be uh, signing autographs later if anybody wants to find me in the, uh, in the, there. But that was so much fun. It was like a totally different experience of riding motorcycles, doing it with all these people than by myself. And what I've discovered is that when I ride with others, it's not only a lot more fun, but it's safer. Because if you have a breakdown or a problem, there's people there to help you out. We are not designed to live out our faith alone. There are many more verses we could, we could um, look at in Scripture, passages that teach us this key principle. <clears throat> um, not just, uh, our faith is not about simply developing our own relationship with Jesus in isolation, but it's designed to be a relationship with Jesus, along with being in relationship with other Christians. It's not just, um, and I, by this I don't mean just sitting next to someone each Sunday and saying, how was the weather? Or, um, boy, the Seahawks had a great game this week, right? But it's actually being in community with each other, living life together, being people that we can um, encourage and help in times of trouble, being people that we can confess our sins to each other in order to find help and pray for each other. And the church is supposed to be based on this love. And this is how the church will thrive. But not only living in community with each other and loving each other, but this idea of perfect love, love being made perfect through loving others, is also from our loving the world, loving people that are outside of our fellowship. As we share the love of God with others that we've experienced ourselves, then our own relationship with God is made stronger. It all goes together. And I um, just want to take a moment to encourage you as a church to know that you are um, in a unique and exciting moment right now. We've gone through a lot of challenges, 
clear back pre-COVID, through COVID, through the coming times. Um, you've been in a transition staff-wise, and today marks a significant moment as you bring Dean and his family into your community, and that is awesome. But you as a church are way more than the sum of your good and bad. You're way more than the people that are here in the seats or your leadership. You are God's children. You are his family. You are his instrument that he wants to use to change the world. And I want to encourage you, as you as individuals and you as a church, to turn towards Jesus more and more and allow him to lead you to experiencing perfect love as individual, but as a body as well. When we love one another, it turns everything upside down, which is the perfect opportunity for Jesus to do his work in our lives, in the church, and in our communities. Now, I still remember the first time that I rode a motorcycle. Um, it was with my friend, uh, his name was Jason Perry, and he lived, uh, he used to live down the road from me, but then he moved to a, um, a, a further out, out, even further out than where I lived, in an area that had very large fields. And I was visiting him one day, and he had this little, um, like, mini bike, little motorcycle that's like, got a lawnmower engine, have you seen those? Little tiny ones. And uh, he was riding around his property, and I was sitting on his porch watching him. And he would come around every once in a while and say, hey, Eric, you want to take a ride on my motorcycle? And I'd be like, no, I'm not going to, because I was scared, right? I was scared I would crash and get hurt. And on top of that, his sister, um, Dana, was there. She was a little older, and I kind of had a crush on her, right? And I didn't want to make a fool of myself in front of Dana. And so I kept saying no, I kept saying no, until finally, uh, at one point, I just looked so much fun, I was like, okay, I'll try it. So he gets off, and I get on. He explains, like, there's a clutch and a brake and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. And first thing I did is I started off. I got going right away pretty quickly, and I came to the end of this little path, and I, came to, I needed to slow down, and I, missed, I messed up the, the pedals. And instead of putting on the clutch, I, I slammed on the front brake, which if you know, especially on a gravel road, will lead to a wipeout on a motorcycle. And so I wiped out right in front of Jason and right in front of Dana, his sister. And uh, I was like, oh, this is terrible. But he ran over to me and Dana ran over and they helped me stand the motorcycle back up. They dusted off myself off and he kind of explained, like, okay, here's, here's what you do. And I'm like, okay, I learned. And I got back on and I tried again. And then I just, I just went, right? And I remember feeling this exhilaration, right? It felt so much freedom, it was so much fun to ride that little mini bike that day. I never wanted to stop. As we enter into perfect love with the Father, I think we will never want to go back. We may crash and we may look foolish, but let us remember God's great love for us most of all. Let us turn towards him and let us get up and ride. Let me pray for all of us. God, I'm so grateful for your word and your work in my own life. I know that um, I've fallen short so many times, and if I try to measure out my good and bad, I won't add up. Um, 
And so I'm grateful that that's not what's important today or right now. But instead, it's your love for me, who you have called me to be. So I ask you to help me to turn away from the world, to turn towards you, to turn towards the others that you put in my life, to allow you to transform me, to make me into the person you want me to be, to lead me towards perfect love. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Faith Cove Podcast. Our music was written, performed, and produced by Adam Johnson. For more information about our church community, visit faithcovesumner.com. Until next time!